tonight. I just don't want to deal with Portuguese girls. I was speaking Russian and a Brazilian man turns to us and says, oh, you guys, you guys must be from Portugal, right? German women were a lot more, you know, if they want to be with you, that even if it's just a one night stand, they will. Whereas Portuguese women, even if they do want to be with you, they feel like they have to make you wait. How has Lisbon changed in the last, let's say, 10 years? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dating Beyond Borders podcast. Today's guest is someone I met a few years ago while I was living in Lisbon, Portugal and was looking for Portuguese people to take part in a video of mine. At that point, Leo had just started his YouTube channel, but fast forward a few years and his channel has grown massively. He now has over 200,000 subscribers on YouTube and Instagram, and his videos get incredible engagement. Leo's channel is all about Portuguese language, but today I have him here to talk about Portuguese people, the Portuguese mentality, and let's not forget a bit of the dating scene. So welcome, Leo. Thank you, Marina. Um, thanks for the introduction. It has been years since we actually saw each other in person, so this is really interesting. It's been three years. It was 20, October 2020, I remember, because uh, I just started my channel that year. You're here to talk to me about Portuguese culture, which I absolutely love. When people ask me what is one of my favorite countries, it is Portugal. I have left Portugal three years ago, and I've been wanting to go back for three years. So um, I, I absolutely love Lisbon. I love living in Lisbon. The only thing I don't like about it, Lisbon, let me just get it off my chest, is how expensive it has gotten. <sighs> yes, yes, true. Um, I love Lisbon too. It's the only problem with the city. Well, yeah, expensive. We're talking about finding accommodation more so than anything else. So a place to live. Because everything else is still more or less the same level of affordable, you know, buying food at the supermarket at the grocery store going out for dinner if you avoid the super touristy city center places but housing has tripled in the last i don't know five years five to ten years yeah i, I know your pain <laughs> is it because of digital nomads or what's the issue do you think it's a little bit of everything i think it's um i think that's a question that people, I don't want to say ask me often, but I get asked sometimes like, oh, why, why, why is Portugal so expensive? Why is Lisbon so expensive when it comes to accommodation? And people usually only see their side, right? So you being a digital nomad, you associate a lot with digital nomads. People that work in tourism think, or people that live, that deal with tourists on their daily, like let's, let's say people that live where the Airbnbs are in the city center. They think it's all because of tourists. People who follow politics a little bit more maybe think it's because of certain things that were put in place that attract foreign investment and investors with more money that buy property. So it's a little bit of all these factors. So a lot of f richer foreign foreigners coming to Portugal investing and tourists and like you said, digital nomads too, which has been good for the country, for the city, for the country. Um, it really got us out of a hole economically, I think, after the 2011 crisis going forward. But now you're seeing the other side of it, which is uh, cities like Lisbon, cities that are very um, sought after, um, become, you know, if, you know, in a, in a free market, goes if housing goes to the highest bidder, 
you price locals out of the market. So I left uh, Lisbon, uh, I think right after COVID. And this is when Lisbon has gained immense popularity. All of a sudden, right after COVID is when... I, I, I'd I, say beforehand too. Beforehand as well. But go on, go on. Yeah, yeah. So what I've noticed is like I, I would get onto YouTube and I, maybe it's because I was already interested in Lisbon, but I would just be swam, swarms with, uh, you know, like all these marketing strategies or all these like Lisbon is the best place in the world to live. And I'm like, I literally have just left. Yeah. So I actually have a couple anecdotes on this point. Um, so what you're saying, if you know, if you'd have told me that you saw those ads in 2018, 17, 19, I would have believed you too. Cause I think maybe you started seeing it in 2020 and moving forward because you were outside of Lisbon and that's when, and that's when you saw it as someone who wasn't in Lisbon and maybe your, you know, your search, your Google search and like Google ads were a little bit primed for Lisbon. Right. But I've heard other people saying that in 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, so I think it started a little bit before that I'd say. 2015 onwards but then it just got bigger then covid bit of a lull in tourism stuff like that and then after 2020 for any foreigners that are now looking to you know to to move to lisbon or to move to portugal what is something that you feel people should know about the portuguese culture or rather let's start with a, with with a question of like what are the stereotypes that you you get as a portuguese that are maybe not so correct if we're talking about like stereotypes what foreigners think of Portugal when they first come to Portugal most people just don't really know of Portugal so they'll they'll you know put us in with either the Spaniards or Brazilians you know it's either uh, European Brazil or coastal Spain I don't know <laughs> so that's one of the stereotypes and I guess Portuguese people don't really love it when when um, I think most Portuguese people I mean Obviously, if you speak some Portuguese and it's Brazilian Portuguese, you know, it's fine. It's the same language and we hear it. We're exposed to Brazilian Portuguese since childhood. So, you know, as long as you speak the language, that gives you gives you an advantage when dealing with Portuguese people. But people that speaks come come to Portugal and speak Spanish assuming it's the same, that's what kind of gets under our nerves a little bit. Like Gracias. Like if, if you say gracias at a grocery store with a thick non-Spanish accent that I know you're not a native Sp a Spanish speaker. So you're going out of your way to say gracias and like with this accent or gracias. It's like, just say thank you instead of trying to speak Spanish in Portugal. So that's one of the things I think one of the stereotypes is like, this is kind of like Spain. Um, the people that know Portugal a little bit more, and start having some sense, some idea of what Portugal is, of what we are, our history, our culture, whatever, will then probably, I guess, will then assume that everyone is a mournful, saudade-ridden, fado-lover, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and that's all we listen to is fado music, and all we do is eat pastel nata and codfish. <laughs> I think that's it. I don't know. Um, oh, no. And I guess another, it's not really a stereotype. It's more like, again, what, what do people associate us with? Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously. So whenever you meet foreigners, whenever you meet people traveling and you tell them you're Portuguese, which 
You never do, but I do because I'm Portuguese. Um, the first words out of their mouths are, oh, Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so those three things, four things, Brazil, Spain, Cristiano Ronaldo. And then if you know Portuguese culture a little bit more, Fado, um, the food, and um, Saudade. Yeah, I, I I was assuming you would say those three And things. surfing, sorry. Uh, surfing yeah. too not I think <laughs> you probably have to know culture the portuguese culture a bit more to say that at least you know so it's like some props to people who know that at least that I, I probably people who've already been here or spent some time here would be more or spend some time maybe not lisbon but like you know algarve like or because of the waves because of the big waves in nazare the tallest waves in the world so people kind of associate even people who maybe haven't been here but have heard of portugal kind of associate Portugal with surfing, which is fair. Makes sense. I have a question for you. Do you feel like Portuguese people have some sort of fat under their skin? Because I don't know how you guys go into the water and just spend hours <laughs> in this water. Just for reference to anyone who has never been in Portugal, it never gets warm. The water always stays no. cold uh, because it's the Atlantic Ocean. And I didn't know that. The first time I'd arrived to Lagos, I remember I was like, wow, this water looks amazing. It looks so beautiful. It must be very warm. And I run in there full speed and I jump back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, it's funny because when you when you see pictures, it's this you know this really see through beautiful turquoise water. You know, you think Italy, uh, Greece, Mexico, the Caribbean, whatever, and so you think, oh, it's going to be just like that, but it's not. It's very cold, and uh, you know, as I think, as kids, I, I remember, I remember this is probably something that people who grew up in countries where you go to the beach and the water's cold can relate which is i remember staying in the water until my parents told me your lips are turning purple you got to get out of the water because as a kid you don't you don't feel the cold i remember not feeling the cold these days it's very different <laughs> there's no way i'm staying in that water like I, as long as i used to when i was a kid like i'd stay two hours in the water my lips be turning purple my parents be like okay time to come out before you know before you die of cold um these days um like 20 minutes oh my god like, that's you're always in lot. and out <laughs> no yeah, I, yeah. I can't even do two minutes in portuguese uh, like, <laughs> two minutes in the atlantic yeah no i can't but uh it's very interesting uh, going back to the previous conversation what you said about language so i have a funny story actually so as you know i'm a russian speaker and there, there is quite like a funny stereotype that portuguese from portugal oftentimes sounds like russian and at least to me you know and i i've been studying portuguese for uh almost two years so i very much know the difference between the two it's very it's completely two different language groups but uh i was in brazil with my mom and i remember i was speaking russian and a Brazilian man turns to us and says, oh, you guys, you guys must be from Portugal, right? Can you imagine that? Like that? <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny on so many levels because he did not understand you, obviously, but he just assumed if I don't understand them, it's because they're from Portugal because they speak so different from us that it's I wouldn't even expect to understand Portuguese people when they talk. Um, it's funny that he probably t thought that right. Instead of thinking foreign language, he thought. It's got to be European Portuguese. That's why I don't understand what they're saying. But yeah, you know, it's um, it's happened. You know, what I've had happen to me is obviously being on the receiving end of like, oh, it sounds like Russian, the way you talk, et cetera, et cetera. But also me, like, you know, when you just catch like 
converse like just noise from a conversation you can kind of pick up the language or the sound of it more or less and i've noticed myself like but obviously not in portugal even maybe abroad because when you it's when you're more tuned to like your own language when you're somewhere else and you haven't heard in a while like hearing slavic speakers maybe russian like maybe some slavic languages that maybe russian maybe it was russian they have more like the dark l la and the sh and all that and for a couple seconds being like is this portuguese kind of sounds like it but then then you look at the people and you're like mm, nah, they don't look like it or then you listen in a little bit a little bit more okay this is probably some probably russian or some other slavic language but i've it's happened to me so you know it's true it's obviously they're obviously very different languages but they sound very similar and i actually made a video about it about the the phonetic difference uh similarities between the two yeah i saw that you made a video with a russian guy correct and you were kind of comparing yeah. the, the two languages yeah. it's very true i think uh the portuguese say tabang tabang something like this and then we say davai tabang tabang and sometimes oh, you say what davai what what is that i don't know what that means uh davai? it's like come on or let's go it has okay. many different meanings yeah and so tabai, yeah we say tabai, tabai. yeah and, and oftentimes it, it actually quite sounds like that it's just the tonality is quite similar you know where mm -hmm. brazilian portuguese is very much uh up and down and, and portuguese from portugal is, is a lot more flat we tend to leave out specific vowels when we talk mm -hmm. and we just smush our, our our consonants together and so and so we tend to you already have it naturally in your language in russian the the constant clusters we don't really have them but we kind of talk like we do like as if we did because because some vowels get uh reduced like words like excellent schlint <laughs> yeah yeah that's why when i was learning portuguese a lot of words i mean i i found it quite easy in terms of um, the, the fact that i already knew spanish and you know there are a lot of words that are quite similar um but also because of the russian sounds they already knew the sounds so it wasn't so difficult for me to pick up you, you had a great combination because you use spanish for grammar and vocabulary and russian for phonetics exactly exactly yeah something really uh interesting as well I, that i find we haven't talked about yet is how uh people often put the south southern europe as this like big cluster of people that are very passionate and loud but i find that portuguese mm -hmm. people are actually not that loud and are a lot more reserved um i remember you know when i was living in lisbon it was generally quite quiet under the windows but one time there was a guy who was speaking really loudly and i thought to myself this cannot be a portuguese person and it was a spanish and person he was a Spanish well, of course <laughs> so yeah um yeah we're definitely again comes from assuming kind of assuming that we're kind of like uh this people from spain um yeah they're, they're definitely louder than we are and and a little more like you said we're more reserved obviously this is a by and large overall you know generalization um not everyone is the same and i think in spain too there's obviously differences i think people in the north are a little bit more reserved too. I've noticed Catalans are a lot more like like us. I've noticed this compared to like people from Madrid or from the south obviously. I don't know people from all over Spain, but I know some places very well, especially the south, Madrid, Barcelona, and I've noticed I don't want to say all Catalans, but at least people from Barcelona are kind of like the Portuguese. So, we're more reserved. Um it, I think it's all on a 
on a spectrum, right? You have, for example, Brazil on one end of the spectrum and you have like, I don't know, Finns or Norwegians on the other, right? And so if you compare us, us, you know, if you compare us Southern Europeans to people to Northern Europe, that stereotype still applies and you can still throw Portugal in that, in the mix too. And, but if you compare us to Brazilians, like Brazilians are to us what we are to like Scandinavians in terms of, you know, um, warmth and physical touch and, you know, loudness and what you were saying. But then within people from, let's say, Southwestern Europe, like Portugal, Spain, Italy, um, I guess South with Greece as well, maybe we are a little bit more reserved than the others. But then again, maybe people from Northern Italy a little bit more too compared to Southern Italy, and maybe they're more on the same level as us then I don't know, it depends too. I think that's a great point. I think it, it really is all about what you compare it to. Again, if you yeah, if you compare yeah. Portugal to Finland, if you compare any country to Finland, but if you compare yeah. Portugal to I, I will I will add to that, that um, I know Spanish too. Um, and I know, well, Spanish culture quite well and Argentinian culture too, because my, um, my mom's from Argentina. I've been there so many times. I got family there. And obviously Brazilian culture as well, because if you're Portuguese, you, you, you you are influenced by Brazilian culture, even if you don't notice it. And we are, out of all these countries that I just said, we are the most formal ones. So, for example, in Spain, you know, in Brazil, I, I would assume, and also uh, in Brazil, there's no differentiating between, like, formal you and informal you, the way you talk to people. In, in Spanish, there is, with tú and usted, or vos, usted, but mo in most Spanish countries, Spanish-speaking countries in Brazil too, obviously, if you go to a store, you talk to them informally. You talk to the person behind the counter informally. In Portugal, you never do this. It's always, uh, you always address people formally, unless they're your age and it's an informal situation. But even then, it's like a service situation. It's always formal. And so we are, we, we kind of um, follow certain formalities and politeness rules and stuff like that. I think a little bit more than other Spanish-speaking, Portuguese-speaking countries. And maybe that also plays into the more reserved, more polite way that we are compared to those places, I think. Do you believe in the fado and the the whole uh, melancholy uh, <laughs> attitude <laughs> that the Portuguese are known for? Is there truth You know to that? what? I think... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I know. I guess if you expect Brazilians or people from Southern Spain, like we've been saying, you know, if that's your conception of Portuguese and then you, and then we are a little bit more reserved and more quiet, then you can associate it to that maybe. So I'm thinking from the perspective of someone who comes to Portugal, not knowing anything about it. Um, but I don't think it's true. I think it's been overplayed recently in recent years. Along with, you know, the rise in tourism and interest for Portugal, these kinds of unique features of Portuguese culture, I think, have been put on the, on the forefront and kind of overplayed a little bit because it works. You know, marketing-wise, it's kind of like how you associate Italians with pizza and speaking with your hands, uh, talking with your hands and like being super expressive. Many of them are, but many of them, they all talk with their hands. 
okay. That's not a stereotype, but, but not everyone is super expressive and annoyed all the time and complaining all the time. Um, I think it's kind of like this, yeah, part of the, the way you present the country to the world, you know? Mm. And me as a tour guide, I used to see it. Like people came here and they'd ask for recommendations. I'd be like, you know, go to a photo show, eat this, do this. Oh, what words do you know? Olá, obrigado, saudade, which is a word that a lot of Portuguese people say you can't translate into any other language, which is not true, as you probably know. <laughs> you can translate it um, to many languages, not all. Uh, as, as with many other words in different languages that don't have a direct equivalent in all languages. But so, yeah, so we, we would tend to, us tour guides, and I assume people everywhere in the way Portugal's presented, we tend to overplay these these unique sides of our culture. But it doesn't mean every Portuguese person is always crying about, you know, thinking about what they used to have and what they don't have anymore, and, you know, <laughs> and listening to Fado and like super sad. No, we're actually very joyful. We got sunshine all year round. So, yeah. And that does a lot pretty, for the psyche. Joyful bunch. That's something I yeah. miss a lot about Portugal is the, the sunshine, yeah. the, the, you know. I think the only month that is not very sunny is probably maybe November, uh, December, maybe two months out of the year. What has surprised me uh, when I just arrived to Portugal was how many people spoke English really well. And that's not something you see in Spain or Italy or obviously France. Why do you think that is? So, so I've actually thought about this. Obviously, me having a, a, a language YouTube channel where I teach Portuguese. I, I think about these things, right? Um, and people ask me this too. Um, so the first reason is exposure to English. Most people don't learn English. Most people don't learn any language at school. You know, we, we have everyone, every country that isn't already English speaking has English as probably the first foreign language that people learn. And you obviously learn some language, some English, let's say you're Spanish, you're Italian, you're French, you're German, you're whatever. But whatever you learn in school, unless you're very lucky with, I don't know, your teachers, your motivation, the way you're taught, but the, the normal way to teach languages, most people don't learn English, conversational English, because of what they learned at school, you know, at like from, from from age five to 18. And, and it's the same thing in Portugal. So why do we speak English? Not because it's taught well and it's taught poorly in other countries. It's because we, we, we don't have a dubbing. We didn't used to have much of a dubbing industry. Everything is subtitled. And most stuff that is produced is in English. That's why I have an American accent too. It's because I grew up exposed to American English ever since I can remember. And then... And yeah, so most kids, my generation especially, I'm 30 now, so most 90s kids, maybe 80s too, and early 2000s, um, grew up watching cartoons in English with Portuguese subtitles. I remember I, we even had Cartoon Network without any subtitles, so you just watched it in English. Um, and then also like TV shows like sitcoms, um, anything that, you know, like channels like Fox um, something, like there's a bunch of foxes. There's one called AXN that all they play is American TV shows. So back before the internet, we all we did was watch TV and we picked picked up English. Also movies in the in the theaters. If you go watch any movie, it's all uh, original language with subtitles. 
And then, so, but then I guess the question is, why aren't we, so it's the same, we have the situation, you know, in countries like Spain, France, Italy, Germany, they dub everything. And so they're exposed to a lot less English, but then why don't we speak as well as the Dutch or Scandinavians? Because then their languages are more closely related to English. So there's also the, where you're coming from, right? We, if let's say if instead of English, Spanish were the global language, we'd probably be the best non-native speaking country that speaks it because it's very similar and we'd be subtitling everything instead of dubbing things. And then people would probably talk about the Portuguese the same way they talk about the Dutch, where English is all, almost a native language for most people. But because it's more different, I, I guess, you know, we still have that limitation. Most people, obviously, where no matter how exposed to it you are, if you don't actively use it, maybe your understanding is very good, but your speaking ability can only go so far. Whereas if it's a language that is very similar to your own, even if you're if you go years without speaking it, just being exposed to it, it's enough that when you do speak it, it flows very naturally. So there's those two components, I think. I wonder why, though. I wonder why, uh, you know, compares like Spain or Italy, uh, Portuguese movies were not generally dubbed. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I th yeah, I think. I'm not sure, but I think it's got to do with the dictatorship and where things just didn't come to Portugal. So that industry was never developed. And then when they started, so, and then after 75, I think even Coke, like Coke as in Coca-Cola, not the drugs, <laughs> although the drug is probably also um, obviously forbidden, but I was going to say Coca-Cola was, you know, was not an import, was, was, was forbidden. Like you couldn't import it to Portugal and stuff like that. So there was a lot of restrictions and lacks of freedoms. Um, and after that, I guess the quickest way to, to, to 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 bring content into Portuguese television was just to subtitle things. You see a lot more dubbing these days now, for example. I used there's this um, any Portuguese people here, any Portuguese person watching this is gonna know what I'm talking about. Canal Panda, the Panda Channel, which is it was the the network that aired most um, cartoons and that I, I watched hours and hours on end when I was a kid. Everything was in the original language, which is usually English, subtitled, except for some stuff that came in, in their Spanish version, because that's probably the closest that we got. Again, subtitled, but in Spain, uh, in, but, but spoken in Spanish, like uh, Japanese cartoons and stuff like that. Um, and these days, it's all in Portuguese, but like I think dubbed over in Portuguese. As much as, you know, as you said, the, the, the cause of that wasn't because like Portuguese were like, oh, well, we, we really want our our population to speak English fluently. It wasn't, yeah, that, 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 that wasn't the cause. It wasn't the cause. No, so it wasn't no, a no. noble cause. It was just that, well, we don't have the, the, the funds or the ability to make that happen. But at the end of the day, that actually has created something really positive, right? Whereas yeah. if you go mm -hmm. to Spain and if you go to Brazil, <clears throat> you, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who speaks English fluently. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm not even talking about France here because as we all know, uh, the stereotypes, um, so <laughs> the, stereotype. <laughs> the stereotype of the French people, which might be changing nowadays as well. Uh, I think you know. it mostly is in most of those countries, but 
again, thanks to the internet, probably. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you a personal question. What is something that you love and what is something that you don't like so much about living in Portugal? Actually, me coughing reminds me that um, it's always cold in the winter. So our houses are not, pro our homes are not properly uh, insulated and heated. So that's something I don't like. And I think that's what I'm going to use as my thing that I hate is that we're a warm country. And so for some reason, we just assume that Portugal being a warm country means it's never cold. And so Portuguese homes are very poorly insulated. Obviously, especially if you live in the city center, obviously newer homes are probably getting better. But even even still, um, not great. And I think you as someone who, who's lived in two very cold countries, right? Russia and Canada. You've probably never been as cold indoors as you've been in Lisbon, I would assume. You know what? I got very, very lucky. So when I was living there, me and my, uh, my me and my boyfriend at the time, we were sharing a flat. The first one was Angrasa, but we got lucky because we were living on a on a really high floor. So I think it was getting um, the roof was getting um, heat up by, by the sun. So we never really had a need for heating but in the second apartment it was an airbnb apartment so we actually got very lucky because it was covid i, I know yeah. from personal experience my friends would come to my apartment to get warm they would buy these uh, portable uh heaters and they would bring them with with like if they would you know go from one room to another they would come into the room put the heater there heat up the place and then they would go into it some yeah. of my friends spend the winter under their covers essentially because you know the days yeah. it gets really cold Oftentimes, it's not as cold outside as, as it is inside. Inside can be really yes. cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know where, where you are right now in the world. I'm in Mexico. But... What? In Mexico. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, like, judging from the outlet behind you, it's probably the socket, you know, it's probably uh, USA or something like that. That's okay, so you're in a warm, yeah, you know, you're in a warm country, but... You know, even if you were in Canada, you'd probably be still still be wearing like just a, a top, right? And it'd be and me, as you can see, I'm in Portugal, but I gotta wear this this sweater because um, I, I can't be I can't be in the house with just a t-shirt because it's yeah. too cold. Uh, so that's my complaint. Um, something I love about did you say Lisbon or Portugal or both? Or, you could whichever uh, I didn't hear either. Oh, whichever one yeah. talk about. I mean, if I'm going to live in Portugal, it's got to be Lisbon, personally. I'm from the city, so obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I've come to, you know, through working in tourism and also I used to help organize events and parties for foreign students and stuff like that. So I've always very involved in the, you know, foreign international community in Lisbon and through seeing the city from other people's eyes, from foreigners' eyes, I, I love it even more seeing it as a foreigner as like a non-local so um what do i love everything i don't know it's uh, you know minus the the obviously that the rent prices and the the heating situation indoors i love the weather i love the beauty of the city and the country by extension most cities are very pretty uh porto too even though the weather is not as great um, speaking of Lisbon specifically, you, you have the beach really close and also something I love, and you see this in a lot of cities, but Lisbon, obviously a lot of, um, outlooks, a lot of high points in the city where you have amazing views.
It's it's a love and a hate, isn't it? Though because sorry to interrupt, you, but I <laughs> yeah, love yeah. the miradores, like the the, the miradores, the, yeah, miradores, uh, the viewpoints. But I don't like getting to them. Uh, that was the big complaint that my mom had. She's like sixty-seven, okay. and she she was always worried she was going to break a leg. And when we boarded the plane, and she saw somebody with crutches, she was like, "I told you." Someone fell and they <laughs> broke their leg. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's there's so many cities that are like that. Important. It's like we like building our cities on hills, mm -hmm. and so it can't be a complaint because we're so used to it. Like I live, I'm from Lisbon, but I lived in Madeira for two years. I don't know if you've ever been. Yes. Funchal. Mm -hmm. It's even steeper. Yes. Because it's like the side of the of the mountain, and so like my whole life has been, you know, except maybe in the Algarve, <laughs> where. It's a little bit flatter, and I guess Alentejo, obviously. Um, most cities are on high hills, and so you get yes. used to it. 100%. Madeira, having a car, you really need a, a car that can go up those hills. Because I remember we got stuck at one point, and we thought we were going to just go backwards. But it, the driving <laughs> yeah. there was fun. That's where I learned to drive, actually. I was there the first two years of university, and I was 18, 19. That's when I learned to drive. And... It's tough. <laughs> Driving in Madeira is not easy. But when it comes to Madeira, I think it's one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been to. I'm, I yeah. have friends that live there that moved there, and they absolutely love it. Uh, it's such a beautiful island. But yes. let's talk about the dating scene. So The dating scene. The dating scene. How would you describe the Portuguese dating scene? I know that's a loaded question. But oh, it is. Let's talk about it from the male point of view. When I just arrived to Lisbon, just to give you some perspective, this was maybe six years ago, seven years ago. This was the one of the first times that I've arrived. I remember I decided to interview Portuguese people about the dating scene. And I loved it because Portuguese men would often complain to me and saying that, oh, we really have to jump through hoops and we have to do so much in order to get Portuguese women to, to go out with us. They, I, I think because, because of the conservative nature of the, of the country, uh, there was a sense that people talk a lot. And so women were very careful about who they let close to them and so there were like a group of friends that protected them and and everybody seemed to talk a lot and the and so the women were very much uh uncomfortable around the idea that these guys were just using them for maybe one night stand and so it according to portuguese men it was very complicated so you yeah. nodded along with that what do you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is something that not only according to portuguese men but also I've had a few good friends over the years who've lived here from other countries and who are quite successful with women. <laughs> and they've all, they would all say the same thing like, dude, Portuguese women are hard to get. You know, now obviously we're talking about um, just casual stuff, um, but that's also how things start, right? Um, and I guess if you compare, and even me personally, um, comparing my, you know, my, um, what should I call it? My success rate with Portuguese women or even just the outcomes of me approaching and talking to and the way it was received. And again, like success rate, like person you talk to, to person you end up having something with. Uh, Portuguese women compared to foreigners, I would obviously be a lot more successful with foreigners but there's also you know okay but you can say yeah but those are foreigners in portugal you know whenever you're abroad you tend to be you let loose a little bit more you feel less judged you're not in your home environment 
but I've had also, and that is true, that plays a role. But even compared to like locals of other countries that I've traveled to when I was single and I would, you know, and I, you know, get with someone. Um, I lived in Germany for three months. Um, I noticed that German women were a lot more, you know, if they want to be with you, that even if it's just a one night stand, they will. Whereas Portuguese women, even if I would always get the feeling, even if they do want to be with you, they feel like they have to make you wait. They feel like they have to at least have you go on a couple dates before, you know, you get intimate. Is, is that because often, sometimes because mm -hmm. yes, they want to, and sometimes you could feel that it's because, yeah, I think you're going to ask, is it because they feel judged? Yes. I think that's it. So a bit more of a village mentality, if you will. Um, that's probably changing. It's probably changed. So I've been uh, out of the market for the, for the past three years. And so I don't really know, but I think it's changed in the last few years, probably. I would assume because it, I think it's changed. It's just gotten a lot more um, the dating scene all over because of the rise of, you know, apps like Tinder and stuff like that and social media. And I mean, even Instagram these days is a dating app for a lot of people. It's probably gotten a little bit less conservative as I assume it's gotten everywhere, at least I think, but still compared to most of the countries. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, People from other countries that I knew, you know, good-looking guys that would otherwise, you know, be very successful with women also had the same kind of, you know what, I'm just not going to, oh, tonight, I just don't want to deal with Portuguese girls. Like, I'm just going to, if you just want to have fun, like, I'm just going to not talk to Portuguese girls. Just talk to, talk to all the tourists and and expats and, and digital nomads that are in Lisbon. So, yeah, yeah that would be kind of the mentality. There's also a lot of Brazilian girls that moved to Portugal. And I can imagine yeah. Portuguese women being on guard as to, well, now. I, I did an interview years back, and it, it was one that got a lot of uh, negativity because I was asking, like, oh, what do you think about Portuguese women? What do you think about Brazilian women? And so the perspective was, oh, Portuguese women are for serious relationships and Brazilian women are for fun. And Was that a Portuguese person saying yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Many, many Portuguese men. Uh, they were quite drunk. This was on a viral alto. So, I mean, the, the you know, the demographic was, was those people. But um, it was really interesting to hear that. And I wonder if that's, do you, do you find that as well? Do you hear that a lot? I mean, I, I, I can understand why that is, why people would say that. So there's a lot of stereotypes um, regarding Brazilians. So us Portuguese or people in Portugal have a lot of stereotypes towards Brazilians just because we've had so much Brazilian immigration over generations, right? So you kind of, you know, you always stereotype groups of people that immigrate to your country. Um, and yeah, and so there's obviously, and also Brazilian, Brazil in and of itself, you know, the culture is less conservative than Portugal. Like, I think that is undeniable. Like, you know, and, you know, if you talk about carnival in Rio and just that kind of vibe, and uh, it's obviously a lot more, they're a lot freer sexually, I think. Not always, not everyone. And that's where usually these kinds of generalizations are wrong right it's not everyone's like that 
but I think by and large, there's a, a bit more of a casual sex culture in Brazil than there used to be in Portugal. And the, there's, it's probably growing in Portugal, but still it's probably bigger in Brazil. There's also just more variety of everything in Brazil because it's such a much bigger country. And so whenever, and again, if we also take in the element of people not in their home city, you know, people in a different situations where they in a different situation where they feel less judged in a different city, in a different country where no one knows them, people tend to let loose a little bit more. So I assume most Portuguese men will have had the experience of, I meet a Portuguese girl, I meet a Brazilian girl. This Portuguese girl has me jump through hoops and go on three, four different dates before we even, like, let's say two dates before we kiss, three or four dates before we go to bed. This Brazilian girl, maybe we kiss on the first date and maybe we also do other stuff on the first date or maybe the second. And you have that experience repeat over time. Yeah, they will just have that stereotype like, oh, Portuguese women are more conservative, more serious. You know, you got to get serious in order to get with them. Brazilian women, not necessarily. Now, is it true? Depends on the person always because you have Brazilian people looking for uh, serious relationships. You have Portuguese women not looking for serious relationships. Is there maybe an element also of, I don't know if this is true. I think it's probably true in most places. Like you tend to perceive a, a, a an entanglement, if you will, with someone else of your own nationality in your home country as something more serious, even if you don't realize it, as opposed to getting with someone from a different country who in the back of your mind, there's always that idea, you know, maybe they're, they can go away at any time. So it's never going to be that serious. Maybe there's a little bit of that too, where you will naturally, let's say I'm a Portuguese guy in Portugal. I will even unconsciously perceive my beginnings of relationships, even if it's just a casual relationship with a Portuguese girl as someone, as something with more long-term potential, just because she's also a local and she's probably going to be here for the next few years compared to perceive my beginning of a relationship or of a casual relationship with someone from a different country who's only here for a while, as far as I know, as something with less of a future and less serious, even if I don't mean to, you know what I mean? Maybe that also plays a role into yes. seeing relationships with Portuguese women as more serious. And in this case with Brazilian women, but also with foreign women in general as more of a fling. I, I do know of quite a lot of uh, foreign women in relationships with Portuguese men in Portugal. I don't know that many Portuguese women in relationships with foreign men. I could be wrong, um, but there seems to be more of a, I don't want to say trend, but it, this seems to be more of a, of a thing. Also, when, I remember when I used to go to language meetups in Portugal, you'd see a lot more men, uh, Portuguese men there than women. <laughs> so I wonder why. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was quite clear to me off the bat. I was like, uh, well, okay. They're obviously a lot more open to dating foreign women. And, you know, when dating yeah. online, because I have dated online when I was in Portugal before I met my ex-boyfriend, who was not Portuguese. Uh, but I have dated Portuguese, uh, I don't want to say dated Portuguese guys, but I've, I've had some experiences. So, um, I've dated yeah. one guy. And uh, definitely they're a lot more open to to dating foreign women and, they do like to complain about how difficult it is to date yeah, Portuguese yeah. women. So, so you know, I mean, you've made a lot of videos, interviewed a lot of people about 
other countries and especially let's say like i told you like in germany i noticed a difference even with local girls and those countries where women are a little bit more emancipated and they don't feel judged they feel like they can clearly state their intent and not be called a slut for it or you know um in those countries men are not as used to maybe taking the lead as we are here because we have to otherwise what are we going to do um and so and women are not as standoffish even if they're not the ones taking the lead when guys do maybe they're a little more open to just talking and whereas women here in portugal like we've been saying uh yeah they, they they play a little bit more hard to get and they're also a little bit more like if you approach they're a little bit more cold shoulder like uh, you know distance and so obviously you have men who are used to approaching and being rejected <laughs> and so they're like calloused in a way and women who are used to being approached and rejecting and then you bring in people from other countries that are kind of the opposite, or at least not to that extent. You'll have foreign women and Portuguese men just like being very receptive toward each other and foreign men and Portuguese women. Like these guys are wondering why they're so standoffish and why they don't ever take the lead. And these guys are not as used to like taking the lead maybe. So maybe that's why I have fewer couples of, um, like non-Portuguese men with the Portuguese women. Yeah, I, I absolutely love how you have just described that because as you rightly said, I think that the fact that women are uh, more standoffish and they make the men, as we say, jump through hoops, the men now have to try harder in order to get on the date with that woman. But in countries like Germany or Sweden, women tend to call the shots a lot more and they have a lot less, shall we say, requirements in order to get to the next level and they could just say well i, I actually just want to have sex that's fine i'm you know i feel equal to to men and so you don't have to put on a show in order to get me to bed so in those countries and i see this as well I, you you've experienced you've traveled to italy as well i see this in italy especially like when we look at the south of italy um the the men also having to put on this big mating show with the feathers and everything in order to get with an italian woman because italian women are conditioned from childhood don't give it up too easily uh yeah, so, yeah. So not just that. south not just the south i think mm -hmm. a little bit all over italy from my experience in the north as well you, you know I, yeah at least some north i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know maybe in like bolzano and like the 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 german speaking north. part of italy maybe they're a little more austrian in their way of being and doing things and but generally speaking actually yes italy is uh one of the few countries i've been and i've, I've lived there for a year in Rome where they were just as hard to get, hard to get as okay. Portuguese women. And so I, you know, <laughs> you just turn to foreign women. Other... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but again, again, the, the, the thing of the locals being hard, again, you know, playing the long game, let's say also makes sense because again, when you're a foreigner in a foreign country, you're there for a short time. You want to have fun when you're, when it's your hometown and you want to like establish yourself in, you know, professionally and in a community and romantically, you're looking at things with more of a long-term goal in mind. And so it is normal that, that people want to date a little bit more before doing certain things. But yes, Italy and Portugal more so than, for example, Spain or France or or the U.S. or Canada or, you know, 
yes and other countries where sex on the first date or one night stands are more you know um frequent occurrences i think yeah i, I find it really interesting you know how much of a discrepancy there is between spain and, and portugal in terms of the way people date how yeah. conservative portugal is compared to how liberal spain is yeah 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 it is um again not everywhere right i assume in i assume well inland spain or like you know countryside spain compared to like lisbon porto bigger cities is probably not it's probably more conservative and but but yeah in terms of dating even even in terms of dating maybe not maybe the whole of spain is slightly less conservative than portugal yeah i guess catalonia again comes to mind as a place where people are more like us I think another country where women also, I don't know if they're more conservative in that regard, or maybe they're just not into foreigners all that much, but Israel, mm. which maybe is a hot topic right now. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now that I think about it, now that I say the word, but, but yeah, I've been there and I've met Israelis traveling and all, they only hang out with, with other Israelis. And when I was there, it was tough with Israeli girls. Your your dad, you said, is Argentinian, right? My mom, my mom's your from mom, Argentina. Your mom. So a friend of mine, he's <coughs> French. He was traveling through Latin America, and I asked him about his experiences with how easy it was to go on dates. And he had uh, a great experience when he was in Mexico and Colombia. However, uh, not just we're not talking about trying to get women in, in bed or anything like that, but just getting on the first date. And so when he came to Buenos Aires, he had a hell of a time. It was very difficult for him. He felt like Argentinian girls were not impressed by the fact that he was European in the least. Uh, nope. They didn't really care. And they, as you just described with Israeli girls, they can be quite clicky, like the, the, there's a clicky. Yeah, yeah, clicky. That's, a good, that's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, I guess, um, so what, he's French, right? Mm. And he looks European, I assume? Yes. I think maybe it's just that he had a normal experience in Argentina, maybe similar to what he would have had in other places in Europe. But he had a great experience in Mexico and Colombia and places where he's exotic. But yeah. he's not exotic in Argentina because <laughs> everyone looks European or most people do. And so he, he doesn't have the gringo effect like he does in You, you in know what, though? When I was Latin America. You, I think you're absolutely right. Though when I was in Argentina, I don't think they get a lot of Russians. And so I would go to a bar and, and you know, someone would ask me where I'm from. And I would say, yeah, I'm a Russian originally. And they would call all their friends. The friends would come and they would be thoroughly disappointed by seeing me who looks more Argentinian than she does Russian. They're like, yeah, yeah. Pero no? <laughs> so I think Russia is the one country they don't see very often in Argentina. So that's the one way to surprise them. I used to get yeah. called Rosita because that was the, the, the stamp, the Russian stamp. Um, yeah. But going back to Portugal and then the few last questions that I wanted to ask you before I let you go. Uh, we talked about the fact that maybe Portuguese men have to try harder with women. However, I find that compared to Italian you know, a lot of foreigners might come to Portugal expecting that Portuguese men are going to act similarly to Italians, are going to be very chatty, like Spaniards as well. Very chatty, chat you up, you know, very confident. But you don't see that quite a lot with Portuguese women. They yeah. tend to be quite shy and on the care on the more careful side of things. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you'd assume that evolution <laughs> would have dictated that <laughs> if women are harder to get, we're more pushy, right? Um, I think it's. I mean, I'm sure that the same thing happens in in Italy too, and in most most people. What I'm about to say is, most people meet 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 their romantic interests through friends, right? But then other people, besides meeting people through people they know, also go out and and talk to people and talk to girls and approach girls and stuff like that. Um, I think just we, most Portuguese people, just only do the meeting through friends thing. Whereas in, in Italy, you have kind of both. You have, you know, Italians that, let's say, you know, Italian guy meets his, met his girlfriend through a mutual friend at like some birthday party or like get together or dinner party or whatever. But you also have a lot of Italians that um, go out and talk to girls. Portuguese people, maybe not as much. We haven't developed that other side of, of dating or in this case of meeting people as much. And most couples that I know, Portuguese couples that I know, have met their significant other through like a mutual friend, you know? And I think mm -hmm. that's how most people go about doing this. And I know, especially, I mean, guys obviously have no qualms about approaching women and saying they met a girl in a club and stuff like that. But I know personally, no girls that are like, Oh, I'll never, um, like, you know, I'll never meet a guy in the club or I never date anyone or, or be serious with anyone I've met at a club. Like it's gotta be through someone else. You know, they have to be, be vetted in a way they have to be vetted by my friends. Like as if, meeting a guy in a club is automatically he's not boyfriend material, which is ironic because if you meet him at the club, then you're also there. So are you not girlfriend material? And the same thing goes for guys, guys that think this way, like, Oh, you know, girls that go to clubs, I'm not going to, well, you were there too. Does that mean, does that imply that you are also not someone, you know, boyfriend worthy, like dating worthy. So, but yeah, a lot of Portuguese people see it this way where, you know, Meeting someone in the in a club or at a bar is not conducive to a good relationship. Therefore, I'm only going to take seriously the people that I meet in a more, yeah, vetted environment. Let's say. Do you feel like Portuguese people? Do you feel the pressure to get married? Is there pressure by families that the next step I think, is to to get married? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's. It's definitely a cultural thing where you're expected to. And I see it being broken more by, so my generation, us millennials, uh, many of my friends and cousins, you know, they're together, living together, not married. Um, and, and, but most people still do get married. Mm -hmm. um, and by living together, I mean also like have, have kids together and do a, a married life together without being married. Uh, so there's definitely, but that's not the norm, but you see it more often you know, in newer generations. Uh, so yeah, I think there's definitely a cultural ex expectation to get married, but is it is it stronger, more prevalent in Portugal than in other, certainly more so than in Scandinavian countries or other Northern countries, but is it more so than Spain or, or Italy or even Greece, France? Probably not. Well, France mm -hmm. may be a little bit different, but you know, these other Southern European countries, very Catholic countries too. I think we're all on the same boat, more or less. Yeah. 
Yeah. And as you've mentioned before, I think it also tends to vary depending on where you go within the country. Like if you go to a smaller place versus yeah. Lisbon, you're going to see a, a disparity there. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the cultural differences that you see between Lisbon and Porto, for example, in Madeira and uh, Azores? Azores. Uh, I would say it wrong. As, it's Azores. 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 Yeah. Azores. Azores. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, <laughs> uh, what what do I? Let's talk. Well, let's start with Lisbon and Porto. Let's start with Lisbon. Yeah, yeah. So people in Porto, and I guess the north of Portugal in general, are just are more friendly, open, more more Spain like. In the yeah, and they're just being more direct and being more talkative and um, yeah, and that's what I want to say. I guess just at least there's that. Obviously, again, not everyone, but by and large, and also it's a bit of a stereotype too, but it's kind of true too. Where we just talk more and are a little bit more open and and usually very fun. Also, um, they don't they curse more. You know how. You know how in certain countries or certain parts of different countries, you know, bad words are not as bad, are not perceived as as bad. It happens in Porto. So, you know, someone from Porto saying a bad word, they really don't mean anything by it. Or if, if someone from Lisbon says that same bad word, oh, they're upset. And so you just hear a lot more bad words in their speech. Like we tend we say that they use it as a comma, you know, like they use the word caralho as a comma. And so it just all builds this character. Also, a very distinctive accent, more musical, more you know, up and downy, flowy. It just builds this character of a of a of a fun person. That's exactly the experience that I had when I was in Porto because people they they seem very abrupt off the bat. They're they're a lot more like yeah, yeah, yeah. to me it seems like more direct. So they'll yell at you yeah. sometimes, but then they'll invite you. I had a, a an instance where they invited me yeah. to a bar and poured me shots. It has never happened in Lisbon, but it happened in Porto. So yeah, yeah, Lisbon definitely is the is the the only major like Porto is the second largest city, but there's a big difference in terms of size. Porto is still kind of a place where you have that small town. I don't want to say they're gonna get upset by saying by me saying this, but you know you have this like. Uh, small town charm that you maybe see in Lisbon in specific neighborhoods, but within the neighborhood, you know, people where you run into people, you, a person where a, a place where you run into people, you know, and stuff like that. Lisbon as a whole, the city is a little bit too big for that. And so you have, you have more of that bigger city, like standoffishness, like, uh, you know, just people are more on their own path they don't pay attention to you as much and there's just a little you know the stereotypes that apply to like people from paris people from other big cities uh it's just a little bit more like that uh i think it doesn't mean we're people from lisbon are you know uh rude or anything but maybe a little bit more closed off i think um what else then people in madeira i've only know madeira i don't know azores that well but I lived there for two years and many of my best friends in life are from there. And it's just, everyone knows everyone else. Like it's, it's, just, it's an island, <laughs> 200,000 people. So like if, if you know someone there, you probably, if you meet someone from Madeira and you're from there too, even if you don't know each other already, which is very unlikely for about the same age, you probably have friends in common, very close friends in common. So everyone, everybody. So again, it's kind of more like that small town, 
um, like village kind of situation. So I'm going to ask you <laughs> one last question. Do you genuinely feel like the, the digital nomads and, and, and tourists that are coming to Lisbon, have they changed the city for the better or the worse? Or how has Lisbon changed in the last, let's say, 10 years? Oh, for the better. Absolutely. I was too young to notice, but I remember people talking about after the crisis, uh, like 13 years ago, um, you know, austerity, we had, you know, people just didn't go out to eat, you know, shops were, there were, there was just no life, nothing happening. And now these days, thanks to a lot of foreign people coming in and like appreciating the city, you have a lot of investment in, uh, you know, in, um, recovering a lot of old buildings that were falling apart and you still see some of those in the city but like the whole city center looks so much better than it used to like places like Alfama Moreria like these old neighborhoods that were pretty decrepit you know and uh, just run down the way you know you still old buildings obviously but they they weren't well maintained now they're all beautiful with those pastel colors and just the city looks more beautiful more livable but more livable in terms of uh, what you can do in the city, but now not as livable in terms of what it costs to be here. So this is where now we're getting to a point where yeah. you see a lot of improvements in the city. And I think a lot of it, most of it was for the best, but now you're also pricing locals out of being able to live in the city. And that's mm -hmm. where it's hard to, it's, there needs to be a balance that is not easy to find. Yes, 100%. I, I very much agree with that. I, I love Lisbon. I only have the warmest memories of Lisbon. It's a city that has a very warm feeling for me. And I, it, it is with sadness that I see the prices rising because potentially I would have loved to move back. It's just, I mean, I, I do live in Toronto, which is definitely uh, much higher in terms of prices and in terms of lifestyle definitely mm -hmm. however of course you know when it comes to how much people make the, 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 the there's a huge difference uh yeah of course but when you work for yourself you can technically live anywhere so that's where um it can be quite hard to pick a place and and so i can see with a lot of people especially after covid a lot of people started working for themselves and so if you're working yeah. for themselves you're not probably going to want to stay in the u.s where <coughs> in order to go out you have to spend a lot of money plus 15 to 18 percent tip and so going out can be very expensive. Whereas in Lisbon, you can go out and just, you know, go out for a beer and you don't have to tip 18% yeah. and oftentimes 30%. It's gotten quite ridiculous. So you can still get beer for like one, one euro. And I love it. Sagres. Like two, two Forever. euros, half a liter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Leo, thank you so much for taking part today. We've dealt with a bit of construction. Thank that you has stopped they must have heard our podcast and decided to 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 call it give us a break, to, to <laughs> yeah. us a break. <laughs> just kidding but uh if you guys enjoyed this podcast let me know in the comments below what questions you have for leo and also if you would like to check out his channel i'm going to link to it below uh his channel focuses on language and a bit of culture as well. He travels to different countries as well and speaks Portuguese around countries like Spain. And I think where else did you go? Spain, did you go to Italy as well? Italy, France, um, yeah. And I've had, I, I was in New York and I had like locals pr pronounce Portuguese words and I'll, I'm gonna wanna go to other places too in the future. Come to Mexico. Yeah, actually.
<laughs> Mexico is a good place to go to. Mexico is, is great. Also gotten a lot more expensive, but such is life nowadays. But yeah. yes, Leo, thank you so much. And hopefully I'm going to come back to, to Portugal and we're going to have uh, coffee and, uh, and hang Sounds out good. at some point. Thank yeah. you guys. And if you enjoyed the podcast, let us know below. Do you want to see more like it? And stay tuned for next week where we feature another country. So have a great rest of your evening. And you too. How do we Thank say you. bye in Portuguese? My Portuguese has escaped me. Um, adeus. Or adeus. we can say até a próxima, like until next time. Ah, até yes. a próxima. Até a próxima.